Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Making Community with Sing and Sivright. We hope you enjoyed our first episode, which is really just an introduction to what we're hoping to do with this podcast. A little bit of chat between Scott and I, and uh, we actually had some great questions from the community, which we hope to pick up at the end. So, gents, how are we doing? How have you been? Hey, good to be back. Good to be talking to you guys. Everything, everything good. Just finish off my birthday celebrations and starting to welcome the almost new year. Uh, well, wow. we have to do, we have to do a live happy birthday for now. Happy birthday, my man! Happy birthday! Yes, happy birthday! What do you, what do you, of course, what do you say in uh, Mexico? You do the uh, you, you do this the song about the little hands. What's that? We, we do the mañanitas. The mañanitas. Mm. The mañanitas and and yeah, it's still my birthday because in Mexico it's one month of all, all only your birthday. Do you, you actually do that in, in Mexico? You celebrate your birthday for the entire month, or is that just a personal mouth? Well, I do. Man, that, that, could, <laughs> that could take off. That could catch on. <laughs> and then they have a thing called the posadas. You want to tell us what the posadas are about? Yeah, the posadas is basically. Uh, Christmas uh, holiday celebration uh, that you have with every single group, every community that you have. So you go with your work pals and your family and your friends and you just organize a, a holiday dinner and have a drink and just uh, have some have some fun and that's about it. And, and and this year is very important because we didn't have that last year because of COVID and everything. So this year, basically, it's every single weekend and we just go with them. Brilliant, brilliant. So what we've learned, so what we've learned is that Mao has a birthday month. There we go. That's that's my takeaway, right? That, that's, that's an awesome, awesome, awesome idea. So as well as doing podcasts, Seth does a million things. But one of the, and uh, one of the great things he's quite do is good at doing is is uh, you know writing. So I don't know if you know this, but Seth did a writing course this year, and his first published article after the writing course is very very good. Did you read it, Mo? I'm gonna say I have because by the time that I published this, I I already read. Yeah, and it was great. I know. It had social leadership in it. It was brilliant. Um, I saw it getting shared around different communities as well, which I, which I absolutely adored. Yeah. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what you wrote about, Seth? Yeah, sure. Um, well, as you say, it's it's um, my first article, really, my first publication, and uh, I would definitely give a live shout out to uh, Joanna Rothman, who had um, been my kind of mentor on this writing journey. It was her course I did, and and you know everybody loves Joanna. She she's totally awesome. Um, so yeah, in short, what's what's it about? Well, it's about application social leadership. So you know, I've been on that journey for a while. I um, you know, learned a lot of that through Julian Stodd, who's kind of a thought leader in that space. Uh, and really, I'm sharing my my own experiences of it, my own journey with it. You know, the part that communities play in that. Um, and also a little bit about the linkages between social leadership and um, the Agile original manifesto, actually, and the, the original values, um, taking a purpose-led approach to your work, uh, and also the changing nature of communication. Well, that's probably all I'd say. I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you to read the article. Right. So, Mao, who's our wonderful guest for this episode? 
So, Seth, Scott, today we have the honor and the privilege to talk to Rocio Briseño. She's from Costa Rica, and let's go talk to her about her communities. Oh, it's really, really nice time. It's really, I am really happy to see you guys. This is, is going to be good. It's going to be good. Let's just start on some of the, um, like, get a grounding on community, okay? okay. So, um, what... What communities are you part of? Is a question I ask everyone, and they, and sometimes people will give me a, well, these are my societies and groups, or these are my, um, this is my, uh, you know, university stuff or that. So, but what, you know, just all the communities you've got. I mean, like, it, it's hard for me to answer that question because I think it's easier to say that which ones I am not, <laughs> because for me, communities are like my family, you know. I, I love to know people and I love to make I love to make friends and pretty much I think my work become to do that so at some point <laughs> and uh, just life guide me I don't know I just trust that everything is gonna be okay all the time because I know several people that are writing several stuff so I could start about the PMI community that I have too many people too many friends over there people that I consider family. Of course, I am part of the Scrum community as well. And there are goods and bands as well. And there are people that I love. I'm starting a little bit with the safe community. I am part as well of the discipline agile community and some agile community as well, like part of agile community in Costa Rica. I have been as well in the agile community in Argentina. Here in the United States as well, I have been part of the communities in Texas <laughs> and around here in Washington, D.C. and in California. I started and tried to be part of the community in Paris, in Hartford, but I realized that I need to, to improve my French a little bit. So <laughs> I stepped back and I studied French in order to start again in Paris. And um, well, with Heart of Agile, I, I was the founder of, I don't know, seven, eight communities. And um, let's say as well, I'm part of Harvard Alumni at Washington DC chapter. And Harvard, uh, like they have a community that they call Adaptive Leadership and Women in Social Politics. And I am part of that too. Uh, Right now, I'm part of a political party that I could say is a community too, because I'm running for vice president of my country in the next elections, if we win the elections. So that is a huge community. <laughs> and and I, how are you polling? How are you polling? Well, I think we're going okay. I mean, like, you know, Costa Rica is, I think, is one of the most democratic countries in the world. So right now, we have too many parties. Are, at around 30 parties running for the elections, yeah. So it's something that is not so common in too many other countries. So you never know. At this point, all parties have the possibility to become like president or like running with the formula for the next election. There are some parties that have more money, others have less money, others have some figures, others have like less figures, less, less known figures. I mean, like not, not so famous. 
I think we are running in the first five or six that are always shown. And I, I, I could say we are in the top three, top four right now at this point. But, you know, elections are in February. So everything could happen. I was just going to say, just before we get too deep into the politics. <laughs> okay. Rocio, that's a lot of communities. So you've got like communities of communities. It was incredible about communities you reeled off there. Um, and I am creating one, one other. Sorry to interrupt. But this one is I wanted to tell you because I think there are not too many about this. I created a community called uh, Step Mom Unhappy. That is a community for stepmoms. <laughs> so so you, you, you talked about starting communities. So we're going to be exploring a, a lot of different facets of, of communities, you know, how you launch them, the different flavors. You know, you mentioned a whole bunch of them there, um, you know, when they work, when they don't. But it'd be really cool if you could just you know, give our audience a little bit of an insight into, you know, when you started communities, because you've clearly started a number of different ones. What's the common thread that runs through that sort of, you know, initial period, that initial sort of point where you, you know, you you'd launch one? What does that typically feel like for you? What do you think is important when you're doing that? Mm, I think it's important to have a, a goal. I mean, something that is a purpose to follow or to achieve or a need to solve. When, when we started the Social Impact Agile with Alistar, that uh, is another community that we are growing. Uh, we have the, the mission or the goal or the dream about uh, making better results or having better results in social impact projects or social impact efforts. So people just join because they, they believe in the same thing. And people leave to when they think their cycle is done or, or never go, <laughs> they never leave. <laughs> I mean, and when, when I like, participate and grow some of the PMI community staffs as well is because people truly believe that they can improve the organizations. The other thing is when you'd mentioned Alistair, perhaps Alistair Coburn, you know, from Agile, because yeah. people won't know who he is. We know who Alistair is, but you know, <laughs> other people, the listeners won't yet. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Well, Alistair Coburn is a great friend of mine and of everybody in here. I, I'm pretty sure. And he is one of the writers of the original manifesto, Agile Manifesto. And I had the honor to write with him the manifesto for Agile for social impact. So when we created that, we created because we truly believe that we have to write something else in order to people that is not so related to software or technology or information technology in order to to create and have better results in social impact space. So we are growing on that. I mean, it's kind of self-organizing, you know, <laughs> but we are growing in that right now, yeah, as well. So when, so when you say social impact, help us understand what sort of impacts, you know, what do you, what, what do you hope 
those who kind of you know collaborate with you on that what are they trying to achieve and how can your okay you know, group support them with that what do people achieve through this process okay when you work or when we say social impact uh, efforts or projects or initiatives or products we are talking about improving the life of the people improving the, the quality of the life of a group or population. Uh, I mean, like, when you analyze, like, in psychology or in sociology, and I am not a sociologist, I am an engineer, but reading a little bit about this, you have to cover your basic needs. You have to have your food, your, like, house and your clothes. Later on, you have professional stuff. Later on, you have, like, affiliation, you want to find love and grow family, those kind of stuff, or maybe no, but some people. And at the end, you want to generate an impact. You want to have a, a footprint and your life has a purpose. So social impact projects are trying to help the people that doesn't, that cannot achieve those basic needs to have their basic needs covered, you know? There are too many, too many countries, too many populations with people still having problems with health, with poverty, with insecurity, with education. And I can continue going on, going on. Let's say as well, the, the global warming is causing too many, too many problems. I mean, like destroying the habitat that we have. And is is important to care about the others to care about i mean because you know the ubuntu word that we use a lot in, in agile that is that i am because we are so it's important that we are <laughs> so that is the thinking behind or the spirit behind social impact agile. Uh, have you got any books that you can recommend or any uh, sources of information that we could put in the show notes for people or anything that's really giving you an aha moment in this space. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really great topic. I'd really like to explore this a bit more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, in the cagile.com uh, or socialimpactagile.com, both, both uh, links, you can go and go into the part of the library. And I have put, I have put some small references over there. One is the UNESCO, that is United uh, Nations, uh, part of the movement for kids as well. And as well, the World Bank and Inter-American Development Bank, some reference about the publications related to that. Uh, pretty much the Harvard Kennedy School, that is the school of government and governments are supposed to work in this kind of projects. It is supposed that the governments are to protect the society and to generate better quality of life. So mostly the lectures about the projects that are related to government and development should be related to social impact. So those are kind of a reference that I can bring you. But if anyone that is listening to this podcast wants something specific can write me. I mean, like my social media, I handle, I am not like that kind of people that has content managers or those things. So maybe I, I have some delays answering, but, but I always answer. You took you took us back to Costa Rica, which is which is great. Um, so, I think it'd be really good to hear a little bit more about 
you know, the, the culture of communities in, in that part of the world, because we're, we're, we're really fascinated by that. And, you know, we're going to be speaking to a lot of people from different, you know, corners of the globe. Uh, and what we're, what we're hoping to establish and understand is the communities are, are very different places. So, so tell us a little bit more about that. Paint a picture for us. What, what, what are communities like in Costa Rica? Well, Costa Rica is, is well known for a phrase that is called Pura Vida. And Pura Vida means like, it's kind of similar to Hakuna Matata. It's like a way of being. It's like a, you are happy and you continue, you are easy going, you continue with the challenges of life, but you, are, you have always a smile in your face. Pura Vida means hello, Pura Vida means goodbye, Pura Vida means okay, Pura Vida means thank you, Pura Vida means too many stuff. So that is like part of the culture and the culture of the Costa Rican is trying to be always open, open to talk, open to have a conversation. And that is, um, that makes easy to create a community because if you have something in common, you know that you can go and just start talking to someone. And we are really welcome as well with the people that are from, from, from foreign countries, the foreigners that come to Costa Rica, they are always like happy, but it is part as well because the majority of the people that come here come from vacations because the tourism is the first income of the country. So, in Costa Rica, creating a community is kind of easy as well because the country is really small. So you can travel from one coast to the other coast in the same day and you can be connected with several kinds of people. We don't have that many like discrimination or too many like gaps between the social uh, income. I'm, I, I say like the majority of the population is middle class. So that makes something that we call ticos are igualiticos. It's like Costa Ricans that the word is ticos, we are kind of the same, that is igualiticos. So that makes kind of easy to start talking about something and make a proof of concept of a community and just grow. I like that, I like that a lot. The, um, certainly, you know, growing up in Scotland and, uh, you know, when I did, Scotland was very much a, a much more equal place. Um, there's an old, there's an expression in Scots which won't translate. So um, I don't know if you guys can find a Spanish version of it, uh, but it's like we're all Jock Thompson's bairns. So apparently, um, you know, it means, it just means that we're all, we all come from the same person. So who, I've got no idea who Jock Thompson was. I think he might have been a, a, a parish minister in Perth. But we always use that expression, you know, we're all Jock Thompson's bairns, meaning we're all very, you know, very equal. I think if you, I think it probably comes a little bit from the Norse Viking heritage and the Celtic side, um, you know, um, and uh, it, it's when it's in your culture, that kind of sharing, uh, sharing and, and, uh, and, you know, uh, I guess equality, it's really important. I did not know any of that about Costa Rica. Yeah, it was really interesting, really uh, fascinating. You are welcome yeah. to come. Oh, I would love to come. Um, oh, yeah, I love, absolutely. Yeah. I love coffee and I love the sun. So it's uh, it's ideal. Okay. <laughs> we have coffee, we have sun, we have beaches, we have the best beer as well in the world. So. Oh, sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we're doing a world tour. Sathan, <laughs> that's it. Sorry. 
None, none, of, none of this virtual podcast stuff. Let's do face-to-face. <laughs> okay, let's go into you a little bit about, you do a lot of um, government work. Yeah, I work with government and modernizing mm-hmm. government and things. So um, do you use communities when you're doing that kind of um, transformational work? You know, do you, do you try and build cultures or what do you try and do in government? G- government notoriously difficult to, um, you know, to try and change a mindset. Well, when I started with this government-like thing, let's say, or movement, it wasn't because I was looking for that. It just happened. Uh, suddenly I received a phone call and they asked me like, can you come and work with the government of Colombia? And I was like, Colombia? They said, yeah, because with the army, they are having a restructure and they are having a new strategy. And there are like 18 uh, different enterprises inside the, the, the army. And all of them have several projects and they have to be successful in a really short period of time. So what you do in technology, you think you can translate to army? And I was like, well, there is only one way to know it, to know if that works. I mean, let's do it. <laughs> so I realized the problems they had were quite, were quite similar to the problems that any like software development organization had. I mean, they have like, they used to have, um, single strategy, but as well disconnected from what the operations were doing become and the top management were doing. They have the good feeling of achieving results really fast. They have several leaders that sometimes they didn't have the time to communicate between them. So some of the communication was missing. They want to collaborate and they was like really willing to collaborate, but sometimes they didn't have the mechanism to do that. They want to deliver results, but the frequency sometimes were not like they already set up as a ceremony or something like that. So they have like deliveries that were so big at the end and they have to have like a small deliveries in there. Like it was pretty much the same story. So it was really amazing um, because we make like a bootcamp with several workshops with the 18 um, enterprises in the Colombian army. And, that, and I got so excited at the end because that was amazing. Later on, I had to work as well with other governments. I mean, we went to Brazil to work with Brazilians and in, the, in Brasilia, this like the city of the federal area of the government over there. And they were, ha- they were facing as well, like digitalization uh, challenges in the government they were facing infrastructure challenges as well with the projects. And pretty much digitalization was the same thing that in technology you do in a company, but in a scale because it's bigger and facing as well the problems with infrastructure. They were having like the period of time of the delivery that was at the end and everything changes and they have too many risks. So starting to use tools like Bing, you know, in order to create a real model, like a digital twin, they could start like improving as well the construction area and the infrastructure of the streets and the buildings and all the stuff that were like related to construction. Um, In Guyana, we were facing problems with the contracts because they they make a, a huge, 
like assessment requirements. And when finally they have all the requirements document to go alive to hire the company, the needs have already changed and technology changes. So they have to start using agile contracts. <laughs> that is something that every company in technology, information technology has as well to face the how to make contracts easier, faster, and more adaptive in order to, to hire in the right time and having the results on time. Uh, I went to the Bahamas government and in the Bahamas government was I think about the education and they want to achieve better education for uh, teenagers in order to be more like to the market needs. And that is about listening the customer and having feedback on time. So it's the same principle that you face in a, a small project or in a company about listening your customers. The only difference is that it's huge because it's applied to listening to the whole market about the navies and about the students and adapt the plan of the education of a country in order to listen to that feedback. So I think it's really natural to start applying agile in several other spaces. It's just like going to the basics. You know, obviously, you know, you're mentioning agile, you know, as this as we do more of these, you know, we're not just targeting an agile audience. It's gonna be way broader than that. So we want to make sure you not know, we appreciate that not everybody who listens to this is going to know what Agile is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to define it is probably important because we all know what it is, but there will be people who tune into this who, who won't know what Agile is. So, yeah. Okay. Agile. A few words explaining that is, is, is probably worth, worth doing. <clears throat> Agile is, is a way of living, I say, about, oh. about delivering value in better way in opportunity time in, because time matters so more frequently in order to people receive what they need when 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 they need it and we show that we are advancing on that frequently so that is my version of agile but there are too many other definitions <laughs> so i've got a question you um okay so Heart of Agile, you're part of the leadership group there, and uh, you came up with the iteration of the Heart of Agile logo that was not just the, you know, we, you know, we'll uh, collaborate, we'll deliver, we'll reflect, and we'll improve. You, you, you formed a group that was part of coming up with some other things to go in there. Um, do you want to talk about what they are and, uh, you know, the, the thinking behind that? Oh, yeah. When, when I joined Heart of Agile, uh, we were having like a meeting in Florida and I proposed other, other words about the openness in order to listen to, listen to other, the other way. I mean, like you always have in your mindset, your reality and your truth, but every person has their own reality and their own, their own truth. So being open is about listening to the others in order to understand as well the point of view and how we can interact with that person. So that is why we put that, that word at the center in the middle. And the other word that we put was humanity. And that is because uh, you have to 
to go to the center that we are human beings and love is the most powerful um, force in the universe. So as a humans, we always want to connect with each other. We always want to, to do what is best because that is our nature. So over there, those words were related to that. And that was like pretty much the input that I tried to do in the core of the Heart of Agile team in order to be more open to the, to the people. And after that, I just shared that with, the, with friends and we started with some communities. Sole was already starting the communities in Europe. But in Latin America, there was some few, I, I mean, there was some efforts in Panama. And I know that there was other effort in, in Argentina, but was not that much like right now that we are like pretty much everywhere in every country. So I think being open to the way that they, they do the things differently and let the people to create their own version of what means Heart of Agile for words help a lot in order to move that community. I think so. I think so. Um, I think there's uh, one of the things I've found in interacting with different communities around the world is um, each community has got a, a different cultural center. And uh, and I think the South Americans are, are, are cultured in that, that kind of interrelationships and, and love much more than perhaps some other areas. Yeah. Mm hmm yeah and they have different interests i mean like some of them have interest in like make business which is okay i mean if in uh, i think like letting the people to do business as well create helps to grow the community because you will get some sponsorship on the community you will get more products into the community People from from people could get some jobs, and people normally needs more income as well. But the business must not be the center; must be something like that you need in order to grow, and that you that you propose, but not the final objective of the community. I like it, and the social impact stuff's really important. You do some great work there. <laughs> Moving on to the step moms, which is fascinating me, right? Okay. You're, start, you're starting that group up fresh, right? Mm -hmm. so it's a brand new community. It's so. baby steps right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, or step baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's baby steps, it's step mom. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> in your head, when you're thinking about, you know, how to ignite that and, uh, you know, invigorate it um, and get it going, what, 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 you know, what, what advice would you give to anyone else who was setting up that kind of social group? You know, how would you, how would you go about it? What are the things to do first and how to, how would you do it? It's because um, there are too many days to celebrate father. Well, there are too many like things in the market to celebrate mother day and the many things in the market to celebrate father's day. But there are no for a stepdad nor a stepmom. And there are rights for the father or there are rights for the mother, but the stepmom, stepdad doesn't have any right. But when you do it grown, everybody blames on you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, and it's not fair. <laughs> so I, I was creating some posts in Facebook one day and I said like, 
I realized that too many people feel in the same way that I feel. And I was like, hmm, there is an opportunity here. And later on, uh, Amazon, or I don't know, yeah, I think it's Amazon Create, Amazon Prime launched the new movie of Cinderella. I don't know if you have seen that. And they showed the stepmom, like evil stepmom that doesn't want Cinderella to get married and want the other like daughters get married. And I was like, why? I mean, they realized that there is a new fairy tale that is a guy so cute and Cinderella doesn't want to get married no more and she wants to make her own business. Why the stepmom is the same? <laughs> it's still evil and she's still like the bad character of the movie. So I want to create a new Cinderella <laughs> with a new story. So I, I just create a, some Facebook group and I am starting to receive some posts and some people that are interested in the topic. And let's see what happens. I mean, like, it's just about starting. And if the people join and like they want or they buy the idea, we will grow. It's, a, it's amazing that we, we still have that kind of stepmother stereotype, isn't it? It's, it's, it's incredible how long, that, how, how long that's lasted. And, Especially, especially as every Disney movie seems to have a dead parent for yes. <laughs> finding Nemo. Everything is just, yeah, there's always yeah. single parents. So there must be... There's actually a lot of conspiracies about the dead parents in Disney, but mainly the dead parents. It's a recurring theme in the movies because, from a storytelling perspective, you have stronger characters, more independent characters, when the parents are absent from the story. Mm -hmm. We've got our Disney expert here. Mr. <laughs> Mo <laughs> is a Disney expert. Right, sorry. <laughs> so, so just just on that then, probably because I've got, I, I'd like to take us in a slightly different direction in a second. But so that's a very specific group, right? Mm -hmm. So Scott and I talk a lot about you know kind of you know inclusive communities and you know everyone means everyone and. You're doing it such a way that you know it's open to whoever wants to get involved, right? So it's, a, it's like an open invitation. This is a very specific group of people. You, know, you mentioned Facebook groups, so, so I get that. But how did you go about kind of trying to really kind of find the the, the very specific demographic that you're kind of looking at? Because that, that, that sounds like quite a challenging thing to me. Mm, that not a specific demographic, but there are stepmoms in all around the world. Right. How, how do you reach them? How, how do you reach them easily? No. All the step, all the stepmothers. <laughs> no, I mean like something that I think is different about the way that I move or I do everything that I do is that I normally don't chase people. I just chase the proposed. And suddenly at some point, the magic happens and people start, start chasing me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know like how, but the magic just happens. I mean, because when, when I started as well to talk about social impact, yeah, like topic, suddenly multilateral organizations got like involved in that. I mean, or, or they notice me because they, they have that same proposal and they call me. And too many groups from everywhere started to include me. 
in, in their already uh, stops and movements. And even other communities start to talk about that. And, and right now, even in the party of, of the political party that I am that I am being part. When I started with the with the think of the liberalism as well, there are too many people that started to move in that way. So right now I think with the step bumps will be the same. People just would come if you create the content and you express what you think, the people that have like the same thoughts will just arrive to your place and they will grow. And I think, yeah, and I think that it's great. I think the example is great because we've, you know, we've already started to talk about this and, you know, we're going to continue to do that. But people are gravitating towards the space that you're creating, right? Because it appeals to them and they, they have that obvious connection. And I mm. think that's really, really cool. It's just not an example I expected us to be kind of exploring so early, but it is a lovely example. And it, it, as you say, you're not out there trying to kind of recruit people or find people. You're just getting the messages out there, right? And then people are finding that and they're connecting with it and they're gravitating to you. And I think that's really cool. And it's the same when you try to sell something, you know, when you create a product and you try to sell your product. Some people in marketing, they tell you, well, you have to sell this, this and this. And you call the phone, like the people that sell credit cards or sell insurance and they call you and suddenly you don't bring your number, you don't bring your information. And they suddenly call you, oh, Mr. Fulano de Tal, you need this, this, this and this and your credit card number ends in that. And can you tell me? And I was like, who bring me my, your information? Who brings you my information? I mean, you don't have authorization to come to me and to ask me for my money to buy something that you say that I need, but I am not asking. So it's the same way with the communities. You just create the garden and the, the butterflies will come to the garden when they want, not because you are offering the garden to them. Lovely, lovely, love it, love it. That's a very nice analogy, I like that. Just as your Spanish expert, fulano de tal is any person that, that is talking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> in, in, in your intro, you were talking about all these sort of variety of communities that you, you're part of, and obviously that's, it's incredible breadth of stuff. So you talked about Harvard, right? So, you know, Harvard alumni, and I'm kind of fascinated by, because you did talk about some of the sort of groups you're in there. So I think about, you know, I was at university nearly 30 years ago, whatever it was, um, and obviously I'm an alumni of, of Edinburgh University, but it's not community I'm actively involved in. And, you know, being an alumni of a university means you're kind of, you know, part of that membership, if you will. But you're not, it's, there's not anything going on. I think there's opportunity, but it sounds like you're much more actively involved in certain aspects of being, you know, Harvard alumni. And what, how, how does that work? What's it like? Because it sounds like you're quite involved in things. Well, right now, uh, the, the chapter is creating some like landscape scene and walks and kind of like exercise uh, gatherings <laughs> because people has been in lockdown by two years. So we realized that there was a common interest in the people that were like a study, a students of Harvard or ex, or ex students of Harvard as well, the alumni. 
that there was a common like uh, people were worried about our health because everybody got fat in, during the quarantine because everybody was eating a lot <laughs> because that is the common uh, like something that we have in common right now but we do other stuff so we make some talks about topics about the economics stuff about government about like crisis in middle east about like well several stuff during the covid we were doing this virtually but my feeling was like it was not so, so like exciting like when we do it face to face so right now that we are seeing each other again i think that this is growing again and we are becoming more strong yeah i, I tried um, i set up a, an online poetry group and it was it was okay definitely back in the dark days of lockdown when everyone was definitely locked in but uh i kind of think that a poetry group where we met in person you know would be more fun you know get more connection i think connection is really difficult to get these days um and uh, and we always we, you know we had occasional people that would come in from california and things so we kind of adjusted the time so that it was later and then we've, we kind of found we were all staying up till about 11 o'clock at night and nobody from california was dialing in <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> even even working across time zones is a yeah it's such a big issue I mean, that, that's the beauty that South America and Central America has got for um, working in America because they're all in the same time zone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Whereas I, I've got no idea why, um, you know, if I would try and move things out of time zones. So I was in the US and I was looking to do things. I would I would definitely put it down to South America. Yeah, I would or Mexico or places. I wouldn't I wouldn't offshore to Asia. Yeah. There we go. I'm just we just lost a third of our uh, audience there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well done, Scott. Yeah, and it's just you know this from talking to Joanna Rothman when we when we first went into the you know remote teams. You know, remote teams are really hard. I think I think anything that we do, um, you know, south to north or north to south, is it's easier to keep online activity going because you're yeah, it's maybe an evening thing and it's all evening for everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're all in the same mood or vibe. Poetry is one of those things. If you've got someone who's waking up in the morning and you've also got someone who's like it's the end of their day they're in completely different modes yeah mm-hmm. so so trying to get that connection just doesn't work rocio lovely having you here lovely having the time just to spend just spend with you is there anything that you'd like to tell the, the our listeners anything that you'd like to impart um you know to, to those people thinking about setting up new communities or getting connection around about the world I I would like I know maybe could could sound a little bit like corny or something like that, but the people that are listening to the to this podcast, I will tell them to really think what they can do to to improve better locally your countries and your local governments, because always there is something that you can do, and we have the power to do better of what we do right now. The society that you have is the result of what you do or what you just like ignore and don't do. So try to to have a better world starting from you and doing that change that you want. Absolutely adore that. Yeah, I'm seeing. I'm predicting lots of new organizations and things coming out after the pandemic as well, and 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 a new sentiment to try and fix some of the things that we just put up with. Just before we go, Rocio, if people want to find you, where they can get in touch with you. 
<laughs> well, thank you. I mean, like you can write my name, rociobrisena.com, and I will appear like pretty much in every social media and you can write me and I will uh, for sure at least have a good time if we met or we, we answered an email or having a chat. All right, so we're back. Gents, take it away. How was the interview? Well, I was uh, I was really interested in, um, well, I got pulled into the Costa Rica thing. I'm really glad that Mo and I, that and you know, Mo, Sath and I are all going to go over there. Uh, not just for the coffee in the sun, but um, it seems like a great democracy. It seems like quite, uh, it seems like quite an egalitarian place. Um, I, I, um, and I was really impressed with the the roots that I think coming from Costa Rica has, uh, you know, given, uh, uh, you know, uh, Rocio as she kind of moves forward in her education and in your other community building to to try and replicate those those good patterns. No, I don't, yeah, I would agree with that. A nice reflection. I loved hearing about Costa Rica. Uh, we're definitely going over there, aren't we, gents? We've yeah. got to do that. Um, I think what jumped out to me was the the number of different communities that Rocio is part of. Because as we said before, you know, in our initial episode, a lot of us are a part of many different ones. There's a number of them, and they come in different flavors, different varieties, and there's, there's something that makes them distinguishes them right and i think that was coming through in in, in the conversation I, I really liked that i also loved um the fact that rosie was talking about the fact that you know when she's sort of kicking off and kind of getting the communities off the ground she's not she's not pushing them you know she she, she she's letting people gravitate to you know the purpose of what her communities were about and i thought that was brilliant and a key part of what i think you know probably helps communities kind of launch well and, you know, kind of nurture nicely, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I love the, um, the humanity and the dialogue that she put into the heart of Agile and the heart, the, the love. I think that, that humanness needs to be there. So what else? What else jumped out? So, so today we have a couple of questions, even though it's only been one episode out. We've got very good feedback in, in LinkedIn, in Twitter, and everywhere. In the interweb that, and any Snapstagram that the kids are using these days. So we have a couple of questions for, for you, gents. So I'm just going to start with Kuhn's question. And here it goes. Uh, he, he says, Kuhn from Belgium. It says, my question, something you could do a talk maybe, is how to succeed with communities of practice in a working environment and why do they fail? Uh, okay, so I think the first thing a community of practice needs uh, you know, in, in, in a work environment is participation. Okay, so because it's a community of practice, you'll have a community who are trying to adopt or learn or do something with that practice. Um, you may want to split the community as a practice up a little bit um, into, um, I guess, what traditionally and what other places have called guilds. So back in the old days, in the medieval time, people would have different guilds. Um, you know, you'd have the Butcher's Guild, the Goldsmith Guild, the, and, and within organizations, you know, the community practices, we often split them into the developers, community practice, perhaps the product owners, community practice, the scrum masters, community practice. And what we're really doing there is, is trying to increase our mastery through learning from each other 
and uh, having a, a safe space to kind of move things and out. So let's say your organization has 200 Scrum Masters and six people are turning up to the community practice. It's not healthy, it's not succeeding. So the first thing is you want to actually get your metric for participation. If there are barriers to participation, you need to understand what they are. Um, and the fact that you also need to sell the importance. So I would say a, a successful community practice understands it's worth the organization, understands why, let's say that half an hour or that 40 minutes or that hour once a week is valuable to take away and, and do things on. Um, uh, and, and also to, you know, to, to communicate out to those people that aren't there to say that the community practice is there and the community practice is available um, and really sell the benefits. Um, so a successful community practice in my mind would, you know, would generally on average have about 70% participation of everyone in the area. It would be supported by wikis and other material. It would be creating things. It would also be looking at systemic uh, barriers and be having you know, dialogue with leadership around about changing things based on the, the opinion of the practitioners. Uh, you know, make the decisions about how things are done, uh, you know, where the people are. Now, I'm not a practice lead. But Seth is, so you might have a different view on that. Hey, I, I don't actually. I, I think I, I would largely agree. Uh, I think, yeah, but I caught, you know, that the practice aspect is really important. Uh, and practitioners all have, you know, something in common. So they're there, and the, the purpose is key. Uh, actually, I talk about this in my, my recent infocute article, so there is some commentary on this. Um, but the um, I think the point is, piece you said about leadership. So I think the most successful cops do get early leadership buy-in. So I think you get leaders to help advocate for it um, and help sell the benefits of it and help to socialize it early on. And from there, a lot of it's really about making themselves sustained, which is then done by the various community members, right? And I think I think I think that's key. I think the failure where they fail, I think, is where perhaps I would take the view that they, they can fail when they're perhaps mandated too strongly, or you know there are certain kind of formalities put in around them. I think the most successful cops tend to be ones that grow very organically, um, and they also pivot and change. Um, through agreed group consensus, right? I think that's kind of important. I think, yeah, as I say, I, I think we'll be, yeah, we'll definitely talk about this more over coming episodes because yeah. it's going to be such a key topic and we'll have so many thought leaders um, out there who will have views, valuable insights to share on this. Yeah. And I think, I think we could set these things up with a scaffold and some enabling constraints and the scaffold's there and then once once they are successful you take the scaffolding away so if you're doing any support or coaching in there once the community practice is successful you know that you, you you pull back let the community run itself um also the ideas and the learning should be coming from the community shouldn't be looking for too much external voices in um so almost if, if everyone takes pride and gets recognition for participation uh, you know, that's great as well. Um, I would also say that, um, yeah, attendance community practice and participation in community practice and leading new ideas that get changed should really be recognized in, uh, in you know, in people's individual, uh, you know, personal development plans. Yeah, so, 
you might have in your personal development plan that in the next three months, I'm going to talk at the community practice. Uh, you know, and these once these things are done and recognized, you know, the, the, the true value of the organization is there. Nice. I think that was some good chat there. That's what else you got, Mo? Yeah, so that was, thank you, Kuhn, for your participation. And we all have one more question from Caroline fr from England. She says, just finishing listening to the podcast, great idea, great topic, and great content. Presentation and production were awesome, and I will definitely be following. One viewpoint that I feel was missed is how introverts build, join, and contribute to communities. Wow. Okay, that's a that's a good one. Um, so, yeah. Okay, introversion. That. Yeah, I think that. I think. Yeah, I think communities need to think long and hard about how they set themselves up to be as inclusive as possible. So they do need to be thinking about you know introverts amongst us. I, I mean, I I would say Scott's better better place to to share his personal perspective on this one. As an introvert, you know, because I, because I'm, you know, very much seen as a, and and kind of a show up in different personality tests as an extrovert, which I, which I am. Um, but I do think it's a serious topic in conversation, one that I'd like to see us, perhaps, devote an entire episode to. Scott, thoughts? Yeah, yeah. So, so, I, introverts are will always give you non-verbal communication back yeah so if you read the book um culture mapping there's a bit there where um yeah the the author is talking about addressing a japanese audience and um come to the end and says, is there any questions and uh, you know blank looked out there sea of faces nothing going on and as she's about to walk off the stage uh, you know the person introducing her said there's lots of questions out there you can tell by the you can tell by the glints in the eyes <laughs> She, there's no cultural cues for the, the glints in the eyes. Yeah. So, so being an introvert, if I'm doing a talk to a group of people, I'll know if the extroverts and the introverts are engaged. Yeah. Online, that's much harder because uh, there's very, you know, there's a lot less feedback. What I have done at events before and communities is actually let people visualize that there are people with different types out there. Because one of our biggest problems are we don't, we always think everyone's like us. We always try and do the golden rule, yeah? Whereas actually we should go with the platinum rule. So the golden rule is doing to others as you've had them do unto you. You know, platinum rule is doing to others as they'd like to have done to them. Because I think the platinum rule is probably a better one. So, so I learned this from Clark Ching. So what Clark Ching did um, in a very big room, I think with 130 people at a meetup one night, he got everyone to go from like zero to 10 on the introvert scale. So extroverts are 10, introverts are zero. And, and put yourself in the line. Um, every time I do, and I've done that again in many places, in physical places, I'm always surprised by who puts themselves as an introvert and who puts themselves as an extrovert. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other thing is that when people recognize where they are, they're actually more considerate for different styles. So I think be, that being considerate for different styles. Um, I think remote working's benefited intro, you know, uh, introverts more because they can participate without, um, you know, having to, um, you know. Well, let, let's face it. A lot of the agile ceremonies aren't suited for introverts. So if you're if you're an introvert and you're standing up in a stand up and it's waiting for your turn to come, you're not listening to anyone else. You're just thinking about when's my turn coming. 
Yeah, and if you've got an introvert and you've got something you want to add and uh, at a retro, you know, oftentimes you won't want to add it into the retro. Yeah. Um, so, so because of these things, I, I, I think, you know, building a community that, you know, that, that has these different modes. So partly, um, you know, anonymous communication and feedback, partly, uh, you know, direct activity. And the other one is there's lots of liberating structures that are really great for um, introverts. And one of the ones I would really suggest um, is one, two, four, all. So if anyone's ever done that, you, you think of something yourself that really helps the introverts. Then you, two people talk because there are two, that's, that's comfortable. And then four people talk and, uh, and then everyone talks. And usually what happens in that scenario is that, you know, one of the four will be an extrovert and they'll do the talking for the rest of the other three when it comes to talking to the main room. So I think you could do lots of these things, um, surveys as well, and world cafes can all help. But I think the key to introvert involvement is small groups. Um, and, and yeah, definitely. That's What do you think, Sal? No, I think that last point you made is excellent. Um, the, that liberating structure is a brilliant one. I've seen it used at meetups. I've used it myself in um, workshops um, just to get people, yeah, get them talking, get them building up the conversation, really. And as you say, by the time you get to the whole group, um, you know, everybody's already contributed and you build up a nice narrative. And then, you know, it's amazing what insights you get. So I think that's really good. Yeah, again, I think you've, you've said a lot of really important stuff there that I think we need to go deeper on in future, future episodes. One of the other, yeah, one of the other things that, that, you know, I did do back in the day when we first went into COVID was um, I adopted um, uh, what's the best thing that happened to you every, in, in the last 24 hours that everyone had to go around on the stand-up. So let's say there's, there's a team of 10, um, perhaps the quieter ones wouldn't normally talk that much. But everyone had the best thing, because by definition, what's the best thing in the illustrator for us? Everyone had one. Yeah. Mm. So everyone spoke. And um, if the first time you speak as an introvert is really hard. And then the second time you speak is easier. So actually, having a little, having a little, um, I was going to say forcing, but Daniel wouldn't like that. No, he would <laughs> having, not. Having an inclusive rule that most people will partake of, of, of sharing something, it strengthens the team bonds gets um, those that are introverted a little bit more involved. Um, the, the colliery of that is that if you've got extrovert people that are sucking the oxygen out of the room, um, you also need some rules. So one of the ones I really loved that I saw was uh, if you do three dots in the chat, yeah, that means that whoever's speaking is probably, you know, uh, you're coming to time. And it's a nice way, again, for an introvert to have a little rule like that. And these rules can be in the team agreement and then introverts will feel more comfortable doing them. Because it's far easier to do three dots than say to come on the phone and say, "Yeah, aren't you finished?" Yeah. yeah. And just for the thought. benefit, just for the benefit of our our listeners, Scott said Daniel. He he was referring to Daniel Mizzet, um, who's someone we've collaborated with. In fact, he recently did a meet up with us at Future Work Scotland, and uh, yeah, he's uh, a great advocate for invitation-based leadership. Um, so just 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 to explain just to explain the reference. And uh, yeah, I think this week you did invite him to come on the podcast as well. So you'll get to see, <laughs> you will get to see Daniel down the way. <laughs> At some point, Mr. Mezik will hopefully join us. Um, for what I'm sure will be a, an excellent conversation. Um, so how, how's that, Mao? Does that, does, that, does that help? Do you think we answered Cohen and Caroline's questions this week? I hope they did. I cannot speak for the customer because I am not the user, as you know, but I liked it. Hey, just just to add one last thing, and this is from, from myself. 
And it, something that I see and it gets a, a lot is that we tend to think about introverts and extroverts about in grades of shyness. And you can have an, a shy extrovert and, and a social introvert. And that's something that uh, it sounds really weird in, on paper. And maybe you think that it's an oxymoron, but mm. you do have them. So the way to think about introverts and extroverts is mainly how you energize between people. If you feel tired after being around with people, you, that means that you're an introvert. If you recharge yourself by being around a lot of people, that means you're an extrovert. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be a social butterfly. I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that, that, that these two things get bad interpretations of. So I just wanted to make that distinction because, yeah, extroverts tend to be in the social aspect of the conversations and introverts in the shy part but you also can have uh, the other way around. It's a very, very good point. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, something to reflect on, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, when I was younger, I was very shy. And I, I you know, I kind of developed a persona. And that persona is, is almost like the idea of, like, as an introvert, sometimes you need to fake it to make it. Yeah. But I've done a really nice session this week. I asked them, I asked Monica... Uh, to do a little exercise. Here's a little exercise to do with your partners. Okay. So I want you to promise you'll do this before the next episode. Okay. In turn, we shared three things we liked about each other, but we weren't allowed to put any buts in. Yeah. So I like you, but, you know, it had to be like, this is what I like about you. And, what, and one thing that Monica said to me that just really um, made me happy was she said that she loves it when I go into Free Child and I get creative. And I think when I'm in free child, I'm, I am really extroverted. I don't think I'm an introvert when I'm in free child. So if you ever see me happy, if you ever see me unaware of the situation where I am, or laughing or joking or that, you might think I'm an extrovert, but it's just that when I'm in this one particular mode, I completely forget I'm an introvert. And most of the rest of the time, I'm, I'm a crushing introvert. It's funny. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I would, um, yeah, I think I would echo that. That, that that that's that's how I very much how I see you actually. When you're at your happiest, you're free, you're creative. But you can see it in your body language, you can see it in the way you're carrying yourself. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah, I think I think we're good on the questions. Yeah. So any any last comments of, uh, to our dear listeners before the end of the year? Send in your questions about community. And if you've got any suggestions about people we should interview, if you've got any suggestions about places we should go, uh, let us know and we'll investigate it. We are doing a Cook's Tour of the World of Community. Absolutely are. Yeah, 100%. Nope. Share that. And we're, we're looking forward to a whole bunch of really, really valuable, insightful conversations in 2022. Um, and that was Making Community with Singing Severite, produced by the wonderful Magic Mo. Um, we will have show notes for you. With all the things that we've covered today um, but as always you know if you've got any feedback for us please do share it through any of the channels through which we're um sharing this podcast with you or just reach us through email or directly if you you know you happen to know us you know linkedin tends to work for all three of us i think um and yeah um have a fantastic holiday season uh festive period and uh we look forward to um bringing you more amazing episodes in 2022 we can't wait stay safe folks 
Making Community is produced by Mauricio Vera. The hosts are Sathpal Singh and Scott Savewright. The views and opinions expressed by the participants are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the companies and organizations they happen to work for. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you in a community dear to you next time. We get a jingle. Question time with Mo. Question time with Mo. It's question time with Mo.